Hi, everyone. It's Gracie with Self-Care with Gracie, and we're back. Uh, it's, it's been a really interesting little period of time for me. I'm 35 weeks pregnant this week, so I'm really moving towards the end of, uh, of having this baby, and it's blowing my mind. It's bringing up everything, and it's really teaching me a whole lot about what it means to just surrender and let go and be taken care of. So it's very appropriate that we have a, a special guest today who is Elizabeth Miller. Um, hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Gracie. Uh, it's so nice to have you here. And um, Elizabeth is um, the founder of the Happy... Okay, she's a certified caregiving consultant and a global advocate for family caregivers. She's passionate about amplifying the message that family caregivers must care for themselves and offers the practical resources to make this possible. In 2014, Elizabeth's world was completely flipped upside down when her mother-in-law was in her fourth year of battling lung cancer, and both of her parents were fighting for their lives. Her father passed away in August 2014, putting her in an immediate position to move her chronically ill mom and become her primary caregiver. That December, her mother-in-law lost her battle with cancer. Elizabeth and her siblings also helped care for her developmentally disabled brother. Elizabeth has had to learn how to integrate caregiving with her already demanding family and full-time work responsibilities and not lose herself in the process. Elizabeth's website, Happy Healthy Caregiver, helps family caregivers integrate caregiving with their busy lives. Her site includes blog posts, free resources, and a complimentary private community that includes support and resources centered around self-care for family caregivers. Elizabeth also leads the Atlanta Daughterhood Circle, a social support group for family caregivers. So thank you so much for being here, Elizabeth. And when I, when I read through that, it just brings up so much of um, caring for my father during his time with cancer and um, my, watching my parents care for my grandparents during their sickness. And, um, and it, it occurs to me that we just aren't really taught how to balance everything that, we are, um, that we're asked to do in those moments, even though the, it feels almost non-negotiable when we're in them, we have to do it. And, and I can sense that for myself coming up of um, just like, wow, there's a whole other being that's going to come into my life and there's so many non-negotiable parts of this and how do I stay true to myself? So I really love the work that you're doing. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'd love to start our conversation with hearing a little bit more about you and your journey. And you shared so generously in your bio, like what, what that was, and that sounds very stressful to say the least. But uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what your internal process was like and what really brought you the clarity of needing to provide resources for others? Yes. Yes. Thanks, Gracie. Thanks also for that very nice introduction. And congratulations on your pregnancy. Um, Brings back lots of memories for me of watching um, and feeling a little life grow inside of me. It's been a while. I've got kids going. um, Actually, I just finished the summer college tour with my daughter. So it's been a little while, but um, every stage is is meaningful. Um, Yeah, happy, healthy caregiver is a passion for me. um, And it was prompted from my own personal experiences with my family members. And you were spot on. It's super stressful. And it is something that we're not necessarily taught. Um, Sounds like you've got, you know, experience where you've watched it firsthand with um, with some of your family members and that's really how it how it happened for me is you know I my parents have had chronic health issues most of my adult life um, I actually t- turned 46 today today's my birthday so birthday. Um, thank you I'm sending it with you Gracie so um, it's super exciting but the 
you know, it, I've watched my parents deal with chronic health issues. My mother-in-law had lung cancer, as you mentioned, and and the thing when I step back from it is is that most of the things that I have been surrounded with, other than my brother's developmental disability, which we, he was born with, the rest of it has really been, um, I guess you could say, self-induced from lifestyle. And so as a 46-year-old woman with, with children and a, and a job and, and trying to juggle and balance lots of different things is I really had to, um, I really had this desire to break the cycle and not just break it for myself, but also for women like me who are really, you know, they're, they're family caregivers, but I think they don't identify necessarily. I know I didn't identify with that term as being a caregiver. Um, I think a lot of times people think that's a professional necessary, but a family caregiver is just, you know, you, you kind of are volunteered for that, for that job. You're a daughter or you're a, you're a spouse or you're a friend or a relative that is just in a position where you're essentially being asked or in some cases not even asked, you're just doing it. And, uh, and so when I was watching my, my family kind of go through that, and like I said, I wanted to break that cycle, it really had to bring it more to my forefront of how can I, you know, still take care of others but not, you know, not lose who I am and, and still take care of myself in the process. Such an important question. And, and I, I think what a lot of people who are in situations like that would probably say to themselves, and I'm just kind of tapping into my own internal dialogue and other people I've worked with, is that like, it's selfish to think about ourselves when someone else that we care about is obviously going through so much of a harder time than we are. And I, I remember this when my dad was in the hospital and he was in um, at Johns Hopkins in uh, a cancer ward for like seven, eight months. And I would just like want to go be with him and then kind of want to just have a normal life at the same time. And, and I really struggled with like feelings of being selfish for like wanting to take care of myself and wanting to be there with them. So do you find that that comes up in your work of the feeling of like, I don't deserve to take care of myself because this other situation is so hard. And, and if so, like, what do you suggest as a way to, to work with those feelings? I think that it's, that's normal. I mean, we all feel like that. We, and it's caring for other people and going through these this process is is a super emotional roller coaster of all kinds of things. You know, from resentment to guilt, like you mentioned, to being just completely exhausted and tired, and and feeling selfish can be can be part of that. But I think. Um, maybe it's because I've seen, like, for example, my mother, you know, we, I'm one of six kids. And so she gave of herself, you know, selflessly, you know, throughout our, our whole lives and was, you know, both of my parents were great parents and they were, you know, there for, for us when we needed them. But, you know, if, if I had, could, you know, wiggle my nose and make a wish, I would wish that they would have done it a little bit differently where they have been, would have been more selfish. And so, and they would, you know, my dad might still be here. My mother-in-law might still be here. And of course my mom might be in a different, you know, she, she may not have some of the mobility and health issues that she has today. So I think it's that, that hindsight for them that I makes you want to um, just reflect. And, and like I said, do it, do it differently. How can I break this cycle? What kind of example can I show for my kids? And so when those thoughts of being selfish and, and feeling guilty come in, you just, I just kind of quickly set them aside and I'm like, no, no, this is, you know, I need to prioritize my own health and happiness so that I can be there and be more effective for other people. And so I can be an example for my, my kids. 
I love that. It feels like really outdated storylines that can run through our heads sometimes of like, like some, like sitting with it and being like, whose voice is that actually? Like, is that like my grandmother's voice who didn't, wasn't allowed to kind of like have the, the, the power that I have in my life as a woman and, and to like sit down and really take some time to like question like where those voices are coming from. And, and I relate to that a lot. Like I felt that way a lot about my dad when he was in, in the hospital and sick and, you know, as we don't really know why people get cancer, why people get sick exactly, but he was not a person who took very good care of himself in his life. And I think that that came from him feeling like he didn't want to be selfish or he didn't want to inconvenience others because by with his own needs. And then I saw at the end, I was like, wow, that really had the reverse effect. <laughs> like it, it just feels right. like one of those situations where it's like if we all just make that commitment to being able to take care of ourselves, then it's, it's like um, – so no one really has to take care of anybody else in that way, or um, or if we do it, it, it it happens in a really different way. So I'm I'm curious, like about what how you think this journey of being a caregiver is different as a woman, um, because it it seems like the majority of who you work with are women. Or correct me if I'm wrong there, but what do you think is specifically like pertains to us as women in this journey? Yeah, I, I there's just something culture in our culture, I think, where it's maybe assumed, maybe it's just that women tend to be, you know, generalized as more of the nurturers, but it does, the responsibilities uh, statistically do fall more on women, in particular daughters, than than anybody else, than, the, than your male counterparts. And so I'd mentioned, like, I'm in a family of, of six, and I think it was definitely assumed um and just because of the way that we had been interacting with my parents is that it would be the daughters that would really step up and, and, and play that role in my family. And it's not to say that my brothers have not been involved. They have, but in a different way. Like I know my, my sisters and I are power of attorneys from, for my mom and, and we're so for my dad. And, and they just felt comfortable that we were going to have, you know, be there for them and have their best interests at heart. It's been, you know, the, the three of us that have really um, divided and conquered and then really specified for for my my brothers, um, besides my development and disabled brother, I have two other brothers, of, of what things that we need their help with. And so we were kind of, I guess, almost project managing the caregiving process. Um, and and I think that's just the, just the way that the way that it is and and just bringing more light to that that it is tends to be the the daughters um i also wanted to mention when you were talking about your dad and 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 hopefully he's um is did he survive through his cancer or is he is he still with you no he he did pass away at the end of it he his immune system just started to go and he got pneumonia and just like in the end it was the pneumonia but it was it, yeah. it, it, there wasn't there wasn't going to be like a quality of life at the end of it um, in that way. Thanks for asking. Well, I'm yeah. Sorry about your. Yeah, I'm sorry about your loss, and I know that 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 bonds us in a way. We both have lost a parent, and it's it's like a club you don't want to really belong belong in. Um, but I know when you were talking there, when I was thinking, I was like, I wanted to mention that. A lot of times I think when family caregivers are going through that process of caring for for their aging parent or their or someone who's sick in their family is that 
that when it comes to self-care, it really doesn't have to be an either or, but it can be an, an and. And like we all have choices about how we spend our time. And so I'm sure that for you and I know for me, it's like we were there for our loved ones, but we were also um, finding ways hopefully to recharge our own batteries in that process. And I think it doesn't have to be a you know, it's not like that's the appropriate time to have like a girl's night out or a girl's weekend. Like I think sometimes people think self-care in that, in that way, but it really could be, you know, when someone, you know, if you're in a hospitalization situation and someone's going down the hallway to get a test or they're taking a nap, like what are, what are ways that you could use that time to help recharge your own batteries? Maybe it's just getting outside to do some fresh air or, um, so I just really wanted to kind of call out that I didn't want it to sound like, an either or when I was saying, oh, you have to be a little bit selfish, it can be both. You can be, you know, you can be a great superstar caregiving daughter and also, you know, be happy and healthy. It's not an either or. Thank you for saying that, Elizabeth. It's, that was a lesson that really taught me about self-care. I, I just started doing this work in self-care. It was like teaching people about changing their habits and and I was doing it from a very different place. And then, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I need to use all of this right now. And, and that's what I started to find. But first it was this like resentment and selfishness in me that then my dad and I didn't have the best relationship. And I was like, wait, so I'm supposed to uproot my whole life right now. And he hasn't really been there for me. Um, and I really had to work through a lot of feelings. As you said, it's a very emotional journey. But what I started to find was that like I could do both. And, it, and actually by doing both, that it, it was way more helpful than just totally self-sacrificing. So it, it right. showed me the power of caregiving for myself and how that actually fuels me, like as you were saying, to be able to help another person that really needs it and how that it just it elevated me in a certain way where I, I, I was in it, but I, it, I wasn't completely dragged down by it, which I, if I think if I didn't have the caregiving, the sadness of the whole thing would have, would have just like taken me under in a different way. Um, and that happens a lot. I mean, it happens, you know, even when I think about my parents, my dad was the stronger of my mom and my dad, but he was also the primary caregiver for my mom and my adult developmentally disabled brother and so he that happens a lot where you'll see that where the the primary caregiver who if they're not recharging replenish their batteries that they can they can get run down and and then something happens to them and then you're 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 find yourselves in these pickle situations where you've got to really really juggle and figure it out so sometimes it doesn't you know that's a lesson I think learned is that you know just those little things, like just finding little things in your nooks and crannies and, and like you said, making them a, a daily habit and small little things, that those really go a long, a long, long way. Absolutely. And that, that's in any part of life, but I, I think anyone who's listening out there and they are in a caregiving stage, and I know that there's people in that generation, I, I have one client, she calls it, it's like the sandwich generation, but she's like, it's like the panini press sometimes where it's like you have kids <laughs> and you have like aging parents and you're caregiving for both at the same time. And so just to listen to that, to, to say like, if that is you, then to, to like think small instead of thinking big. And that's, you know, the square one in habit change is that if we think too big, we'll get overwhelmed and we won't do it. And so like Elizabeth saying, like, look for those little pockets of, of time, five minutes before you have to go into the house where you can just sit and breathe for a little while, or just like that special cup of tea that you get to have in the morning before you head out the door to go check on your mother, whatever it is. 
Elizabeth, do you have, um, when you're working with clients and you, someone comes to you, I'm imagining really overwhelmed is probably the state and, and, and like lots of emotions. How do you start to work with, your, with your, your clients or the people in your community to help them start to regain a sense of balance? So really what I have found, and, and it's going through my process too of what I did for myself, is that the foundational step is really to analyze and assess how you're currently spending your time. And, and so I walk them through a process of where we evaluate, like just a, you know, if there is a normal or as close to normal pattern of what you do in seven days and if you're working and, and how much you're sleeping and then where you're caregiving and where you're taking care of kids or carpooling, like adding in all of the activities that are currently currently on your in your part of your routine, and then really stepping back and assessing that because I, without assessing it and looking to reclaim your time, I think people think, oh, you're going to find time for self-care. You don't find find time. You have to create it. And so, really partnering with this with my clients to figure out how they can create time for the things that they love and the people that they want to spend time with. And so. Some of that then that, that we step through is, is really just finding ways even to just say no to things that they're currently doing. And, and maybe it's, you know, things that they really enjoy doing, but they're just in a season of their life right now where they're going to have to kind of put this on the back burner and just say, no, not now. You know, it might not be the time to be the all-star volunteer for your kid's school or to, um, you know, help out with the neighborhood association and things like that. So, you already are volunteering. You're volunteering by taking care of of somebody else in in our in our social community and helping that person. And so, finding like finding ways to to reclaim that time back is a big step of that. And it first comes to analyzing it, and then also looking for ways that we can streamline activities that are part of our regular lives. And so, I'm big on teaching them ways to batch. Um, activities. And so, for example, in order for maybe to, if they want to eat healthier, then maybe what they do is they plan it out once a week as a batch process and grocery shop for that week and then do small, you know, wash your vegetables and cut them up. And then that way, it when you're living your life, it has much better cadence during the week of just being able to kind of grab and go and know know that you've got that piece of your life taken care of is, a, is very uh, freeing and gives them one less thing that they have to worry about doing. Um, and so we look for ways that we can batch uh, daily activities. We also look for ways where maybe we could ask other people for help. You know, hey, you have this carpool. Is there somebody else that's go or have this um, kids activity? Is there somebody else that you could talk to on that? So some of it's just working through, through things like that and figuring out ways to simplify. And then we also look for fun things like, what are some ways we could incorporate self-care and some of our other goals together? And I call those twofers. Um, so an example of a twofer might be, you know, that you want to get more exercise, but you also want to spend more time with your girlfriends. Well, maybe you're going to, you know, go outside and get some vitamin D in the process and go on a, on a short hike with a girlfriend and catch up. And so that would be a twofer or maybe even a threefer if you want to count the, the vitamin D part of it too. So we look for those kinds of opportunities too where we're, we're getting really creative with our, with our lives. Love all of that. And as I listen, I'm like, okay, you said a few things that I think are really important. And two of them I think women are really good at, and two of them I think women tend to not be so good at. <laughs> and the two I think women are good at is multitasking, 
I think um, just across the board, the women that I know are very creative in how they can put things together and do like that batch um, prep for food that feels like super like doable. And then I think women are really good at social networks. And again, I'm just like broadly generalizing here, but like just keeping up relationships and kind of knowing how everyone else is doing and being in communication. And two things I think women are not so good at um, are asking for help. And like, right. I think we're, we're good at giving, you know, and kind of knowing which of our friends is sick or had just had a baby and who needs food. And, um, at, but like when we have to ask for those things, and I think that right now around pregnancy is so on my edge is that I'm having to just receive so much. And it, it just makes me really uncomfortable sometimes. And then the other thing, which I think is, you know, it always comes down to this in self-care is setting boundaries of just saying no, of like admitting that we don't have to do everything to prove our worth and that we can say no to something. And that doesn't mean that we're a bad person or not, you know, that we're not volunteering for a while. And I'm curious about that for you, Elizabeth, because during your process, I imagine you had to set some different kinds of boundaries for yourself. And what, what did that look like? And was that hard for you? Yeah. And and it's, it's something that I don't think you're ever perfect you're constantly refining it and so I you know I too had identified as being in the sandwich generation I have two active teenagers and I was caring for an aging parent and um, one of the first quotes that I latched on to I think was an Oprah quote or maybe she said it and someone else said it before her but you can you can have it all you just can't have it all at once and that resonated with me as like okay this 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 is part of who I want to be at some point but I can't be everything right now to everyone, including myself. And so what are some things I can kind of put on the back burner for now? That doesn't mean I'm never going to do them. It just means um, not now. And then there were boundaries with people as well. And that's a great book, by the way. You've probably read it, but it is called Boundaries. Uh, And they call out some some techniques and tactics in there. Um, But with my mom in particular, I had to set some boundaries because, you know, my inclination after my dad died and we moved her to the Atlanta area was just to, just to, you know, I just wanted her to be happy. And so I would just constantly spend time over there. Well, you can't do that for, that's not sustainable. You know, I have a job, I have a family of my own and a husband who would like my support as well. And so it really came to being very clear with her is like, well, this is what I can give you each week and, and I can give you this much time and, and how would you like to spend that time? Do you want me to do these, um, you know, I can, I can go around your assisted living uh, room here and I can do all of these tasks for you or I can, we can spend time together and play a game or watch a movie or have a picnic in, in your room or we can try to do a combination of both. But, you know, it, give me your top three things of, of what you'd like me to do when I come visit you. I, I may not get to the whole list. And so those were conversations that we had to have, and there were lots of tears in that process as well of, of getting to that point. Um, and then you had also mentioned how women are bad at, at asking for help, and I think that, you know, someone had said something to me early on too, is like, just say yes when somebody offers to help you, say yes. And it may not be exactly the help that you wanted, and but it's better than nothing kind of a thing, and it lets them know too, too that you really are need of of some assistance. And so those are those are things too that we try to step through when I work with my clients. Is like, who are your tribe of people? And your tribe of people are your is 
is everybody around you. It's your coworkers. It's your it's your kids. It's your husband. It's your siblings. And and so you you are one person. You cannot be expected to do everything. And so how can you use use those resources and which are the things that you and only you can do or only or, and you want to do them you truly want to do them you don't resent them keep those and then the other ones are kind of up for negotiation um, and so I think through this process too as being in the sandwich generation my kids have become way more independent like you know and it can be a little awkward sometimes when I'm sitting in a social circle with my friends and um, they're talking about school and, hey, does your your kid have so-and-so for a teacher or what are they taking this semester? And I'm like, um, I really have no idea. They're getting straight A's um, because I – I really had had to kind of pick and choose what I what I could step out of, and so I had just kind of set boundaries and with my kids and said, look, you know, mom's got to, you know, can't can't be there for everything. You guys are going to have to kind of step up to the plate. I need you to check your school blogs. I need you to get your homework in on time. And so they did it. It was amazing. So, but it can be weird when you're sitting with friends and it's like, yeah, I really don't know, but this is working for me. So, um, no judgment. <laughs> It sounds a lot like well, courageous to like set boundaries and everything that you just said, it's like, wow, that is about being direct. Like the way that you had that conversation with your mom, it's like, okay, this is the amount of time I have. And you know, it doesn't mean that I don't love you or that right. this is the amount of time I have. It's just the reality. How do you want to spend it? And having that conversation up front is, I think it really makes everybody feel safe in a situation. And that's, and that's really what boundaries are, is that they make everyone feel safe, that people know their responsibilities, we know our responsibilities. But yet having that conversation, I think, for many of us is the hardest part. And, and like what you're saying, like your friends are talking about something, and it can be such an easy place to go to. And I know I'm always this way. If I don't know what's going on in a situation, if I don't feel like I'm like on the up and up, like it can start to, my self-esteem will like take a little hit. But, like, I just love the way that you talked about that, that, like, really it's, like, sounds like just standing in your worthiness that you don't have to prove that you're a good person because you know everything. It's just that you you know who you are and what you need and, you know, the boundaries that are going to keep everybody safe. Yeah, it's, like, no matter what, plates are plates are going to drop. Like, you can't juggle everything. So the way I kind of chose to look at it was, and I try to help other people, is, like, choose which plates you're going to drop, you know, don't don't let the important things drop. Let you know, choose choose what you can um, let let go of for now, or give to somebody else to kind of manage that. Because um, we just there's only so many hours. We can't do it all. No, we're not we're not superwoman. I just saw Wonder Woman and I like loved it so much, and I was like, that's just not real though. Like, we have yeah, I did love it too. I loved it. I was like, yay, pro women! It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was like a little bit of self care for me. It was going taking an afternoon to go see that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm curious about your relationship with your husband. I don't know if you're you're okay to talk about this, but like I I just know that that can happen a lot when there's a lot of caregiving of outside of the relationship that's going on. Um, how how do you keep that healthy, and how did you balance that, especially dealing with like in laws and and I say this also yeah. from a very like personal perspective because I'm just so curious how my partner and I are going to keep our relationship healthy as we caregive for a child. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I will say it's kind of one of the things that kind of falls lower, the romance and all of that goes lower in your, in your pecking order. Um, luckily for me, my husband 
understood the caregiving thing because his mom had the had lung cancer for four years and he was her primary caregiver. So we overlapped for a while where we were both doing it and it was like, hey, you got this, hey, you got this. And it was just like this look of understanding in our eyes, like, so sorry, we're just going to have to like, you know, get to the romance of someone. But we did make some time to try to, to try to spend each other, spend time with each other, and 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 like I said, get some of those twofers in where we would work out together, or we would try to do some things as a family um, to try to get those those things in. But we both all we had some really good conversations too about what we were willing to, what our boundaries were with each other. And, you know, you're, everybody, every caregiver, I think, has to at some point say, you know, are we willing to have this person come live with us? And what would that look like? And, and could we handle that? And what would that do to our family dynamics? And so those were some some conversations that were tricky. And, and for my mom, it came down to a point where, we didn't really feel like we could take care of her. She just needed a lot more medical attention um, than than we could offer her with work, both of us working full time. And for my mother-in-law, it, we did consider it for a while. I mean, she, she was had different financial state, and so, but it would have been a huge disruptor for our family lifestyle. Um, we jokingly called his mom a vampire. She would stay up all night. She never really slept in her bed. She would sleep in the family room or something on those holidays where she would spend the night. And so it was really something to think about. Um, and luckily, though, she didn't. It, it, it. We were kind of off the hook because she didn't want to live with us. So. Um, you know, but those are some hard conversations where if you're not aligned and on the same page, but I think it's just, again, being, you know, trying to visualize what what that would look like. Um, and so I think now that we're kind of in a different situation where his, you know, my mom and or my dad and his mom have passed away. My mom is no longer my primary responsibility. She actually lives with my older sister now who had a at a life change. And so now I can focus more on helping other family caregivers and, and empowering them and also get back to working on some of the relationships and stuff that were coasting, I guess you could say, um, and, instead of thriving. Uh, and so working on more of the thriving now. It feels like a really valid distinction that sometimes we can coast in our relationships, and that's okay. And if I think of it's a strong relationship that can handle that, and then sometimes we just need, if, if we're like the coasting is too much, we need to double double down and put some nutrients back into the earth, like compost it all up. Um, exactly. Yeah. What, um, what does it look like in your community of, of caretakers that you work with? Because I, I think one of the things that I experienced a lot of during caretaking for my dad was just feelings of isolation like I really I really related Mm -hmm. to my brother and my dad's wife because we were together you know almost every day strategizing and and doing it but it was a little hard to relate to other people and so it feels powerful to me that you have a community of people coming together in this caretaking stage so what is what does that look like and how do you think that supports caregivers well, so it's funny because now that I'm in the space of being um, what I like to call a global caregiving advocate, and I know other advocates across the United States and stuff, it, there there are people that are out there to help. But the thing is, is that, and I think it goes to this concept of of, of the way that we're just so segmented with, you know, may, maybe it's our healthcare system, maybe it's 
I don't know whose responsibility it is to tell somebody, hey, you're a caregiver and there are resources for you. Um, but those are that was never never provided for me. You know, I was given resources in those in the hospitals and in the doctor's office about how to care for my mom's wounds and how to manage her diabetes and how to but never in that whole process was it like this is this is how you need to um take care of yourself and here are some of the resources available to you. And so my dream would be that someday that that exists um in our system so that they know that there's those that these things exist because they're out there even on an internet search, but you have to know enough even to identify with that word family care, the term family caregiver or sandwich generation or something in order to be able to Google it and find it. Otherwise you're just looking like, what am I looking for? And I too knew, like I knew I was isolated and I knew, um, you know, I knew there had to be people that were going through it. And so I went to Amazon and I kind of tend to go towards books and as a resource. And so I was like, someone's got to have done this before. And so I started Googling things. And that's kind of where I landed on the sandwich generation term first. Um, And that got me so far. But now that I know that this whole world exists, it's like now, you know, me along with other global caregiving advocates, we're really trying to unite together to get that message broadcasted. Um, and one of the one of the groups that has done that is um, well, a couple of them. There's a, a group called Daughters Unite where they're trying to unite these daughters or these caregiving advocates so that we are we have a louder voice together. And then another group, which um, you had mentioned in my my introduction is the daughterhood circles. And so a woman in, in D.C., Ann Tumlinson, created these daughterhood circles where they're really a so- social support group um, for family caregivers. And we, you know, I, I, there wasn't one in Atlanta, so I just kind of stepped up and said, hey, I'd like to lead the Atlanta circle. And there are some in a lot of cities across the United States. Um, and if there's not one in your area and you want one, then create one. And so we just meet monthly and we've, you know, we've d- done some things where we just sit and have wine and, and tapas um, and chat. And then we've d- tried to do some fun activities where we'll do like a laughter yoga. We were curious on what that was. But really, it's it's giving those folks what I didn't have and I craved is just that, hey, I want to I want to learn from these women who are who have been there, done that, and and particularly in my local community because they know exactly where to point me towards. You know, the the elder law attorneys, the people who can offer respite care, the um, you know, just anything that would help save sanity. And so I, keep, I carry a little file, file folder with me when I go and, and if people say, you know, need something, I have kind of this collection of resources then too that I can help point them towards and say, hey, well, you might want to check this out or, or something. And so it's really just making those connections and helping people navigate this crazy journey. <laughs> and it, again, like we need support <laughs> during it. And, and we can find it, yeah, I think we can find it in so many different places. And I think the Internet's a great place. It's like and message boards or forums where people are going through this. I'm just feeling not alone. But I think there's, like, no substitute for in-person time, just, like, sitting with people. Right. And, yeah. And it's, 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 I'm, like, remembering a lot after my dad passed away that a few people that I didn't even know their parents that they had lost parents. Like you said, it's like that club that you don't want to belong to, but once you're in it, you, you have a firm membership and everyone is very kind. And people reached out to me and I remember having, you know, sitting down having a glass of wine with, with someone I didn't know that well and just having this like really deep heart to heart that I was like, I just needed someone who got it. 
in those moments. So I, yeah, I love it's just what a you're space. doing. Yeah, it's a space where you can be vulnerable. And I think of it like it's almost like my hairdresser where I go to get my hair cut and she doesn't know anybody in my family. She doesn't know where I work, you know, and the people. And so she's like my bartender. I just tell her tell her stuff. And so it gives people a place for that where really the only time we probably come together is in these monthly groups. And, and you know, at first when I set it up, I thought, oh, is this going to be super depressing? And, and But they're not. Like I would say we laugh more than we cry. We just like – we find little things that we um, that we that we find humor in. We're like, you can't make this stuff up. Sometimes it's just so crazy. You're like, I'm, you're never going to believe what happened, you know. And 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 we're just telling those stories together. And and it, it's a really cool environment, actually. That's great. Yeah, and, and that's something nobody told me about either. Is that like within all the sadness and all the hardness, there's going to be some like really deep pockets of joy of feeling for me, it was like feeling really close to my brother as him and I hadn't been so close before. And just like us going through that together, we felt really close and just like kind of those like slap happy hours where you're been at the hospital for way too long. You start giggling and just like conversations I have with my dad. It's like, it, people kind of paint it all over, like, oh, it's just a really sad, you're going through a hard time, and that's totally true, but there's there's more, and I think until you go through an experience like that, it's it's hard to understand that. And maybe they're more vibrant, those moments, because of the 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 vein that the whole situation is in. You know, you're in a grief situation, or you're in an end of life, or, in a, or a caregiving crisis, or whatever, and they might be just more vibrant, those funny moments, and those endearing things because they're they're just so special but I know my sisters we have a we we have call our we call ourselves sister power when we're all together hashtag sister power and we would have texts even because we all don't live in the same city I'm in Atlanta one's in DC area one's in the Philadelphia area and so we would just have these texts like you know you're a caregiver when dot 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 and we would send these funny statements back to each other and I started collecting them and I've written some blog posts and, and such about them because I just think they're funny. Like you can't make this stuff up sometimes. It's going to go in my tell all book someday, but I'll have to change some names to protect the innocent. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. It sounds, it sounds really <laughs> yeah. juicy. <laughs> um, well, I, I, when I listen to you talk about the, your, what you're doing and your, your journey, I feel a lot of power in it. And I really feel you as a role model and that you've stepped into that for yourself. And I'm, I wonder how, how this process has changed you as a person and how it's helped you to see yourself as, as a leader. Would you use that word to describe yourself? Yeah, I, I do feel like a, we're on a, we meaning the other global caregiving advocacy, I feel like we're on the cutting edge of something, something amazing that, you know, a turning point because there are millions and millions of family caregivers that, and people are calling them that and they don't know that they're that. And so they don't have these resources. And so I do feel like we're almost pioneering this, this message and also with the self-care message for caregivers, you know, about putting the oxygen mask on themselves first so they can, they can better care for others. So, you know, I see, I see a lot of really cool opportunities, um, you know, there's a national caregiving conference. This will be the second year for that in Chicago. Um, I'm excited to get to participate in that. And 
and, and so I just love that there's more avenues and more resources becoming available for people. And it's just a fun, it's a, it, it, is, it, it is my passion project. Um, someday, you know, I hope it can be my full-time, my full-time thing. Um, it's not what I do for my day job so currently. So that's um, an aspiration for me. There's a huge need for it. So I and, and I, I feel your passion, and so I hope that those that need and that passion get connected in a way soon. That if you want to spend your time doing this, because I just I think there's so many people out there who like really need the relief of what you're talking about, that permission right. to really focus on themselves, the like the the knowledge of how to do it in a skillful way, like you said, just to pair things together and ask for support and set boundaries, and then that the knowledge that they're not alone either. Thank you. That means a lot for me as um, coming from you as a self-care expert is, uh, you know, I think the more we can do and join hands together to kind of get those messages out, I think the better off, you know, our, our world is going to be. We need it so much. And, and yeah, it's, it's great to be on, on the front lines. Because I do think the self-care conversation is emerging in like such a powerful way, way right now where we just can't deny that this is, this is what we're, our work is, is really learning how to, how to balance that journey of ourselves with the people that we care mm-hmm. and about. And how to integrate it. About. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to integrate it together because it, it, it can't be like an all or nothing on any, any scale. And so it's, it's, it's finding those ways to integrate it in our lives and just know that we can be at peace knowing that it's not feast or famine, that it's just a little, a little steady flow of this is, this is life. It includes self-care and it includes caring for others. Yep. And, and just like you said, choosing which plate you're going to drop, like letting it all be very imperfect and messy and, and yet really valuing ourselves within it by setting those boundaries and um and still like making ourselves a priority um yes I would, let's do I it like yeah we're let's yeah join together well let me know when you come to dc <laughs> to visit your sister i'd love to i'd love to get coffee <laughs> oh awesome that would be awesome um, well, I always like to end these conversations with um, with the question of what self-care is for you. And I'm really curious to hear your definition just because you've spent so much time diving into it. Well, so for for me, I would say self-care is, is knowing it's okay to prioritize my own health and happiness and also knowing that when I do that, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better employee, a better mom, a better caregiver. Mm. That's. I mean, that's like. I feel like your philosophy in like a nutshell there. And and again, the worth and the value that like that we have value um, if we if we value ourselves. <laughs> right. Yes. Elizabeth, how can people stay in touch with you and learn more about the work that you do and get support from your services? Awesome. Yeah, everything is pretty much from my website, happyhealthycaregiver.com. And I am, you know, I've got some, I love to write. I'm a journalism major, so I have lots of of thoughts and musings out there to peruse and some free resources. Um, There's also a complimentary caregiving community that's available on my website that's private which some people people want the privacy. And then if you're a Facebook person, there's a Facebook group, Happy Healthy Caregiver, and you'll also find me on Twitter and Instagram. So all of that can be linked from happyhealthycaregiver.com. 
Wonderful. And I'm going to put that in the show notes um, for this podcast as well for, for ease in finding Elizabeth. Um, are there are there any last things that feel unsaid to you in this conversation? It's been it's been really wonderful to talk to you. I feel I feel really inspired. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully this, you know, falls on people's your listeners' ears and they they learn that they're a caregiver and or they know somebody that could use this information and they share this episode with them. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. Well I know everybody who's listening out there knows somebody who is caregiving for somebody else out there right now. So um follow Elizabeth's words there and send this episode so they know that they're not alone and that there are resources. And, and, you know, even if you're not currently a caregiver for somebody right now in your life, I think that what we can do is we can set these practices up because we, um, we will probably step into that. So it's learning how to value yourself by setting boundaries, having direct conversations, finding the little pockets of time, asking for help and receiving it and uh, whatever your edge is around that, that, that it will come in handy to, to really, um, like Elizabeth said, be a role model and really be, be the best person that we can be. So thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's been really wonderful to, to talk to you and hear your wisdom and your experience. Thank you. Likewise, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Onwards. Okay, everyone, take care of yourself, and I'll look forward to checking in with you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices, more inspiration, and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.